Well, good morning, everyone. We're glad to see you. And um, wow, what a difference a week makes, huh? You know, we had our heaters on and all of that because it was so cold. Now, uh, for the first time in our place, we're putting on our air conditioners. And I'm complaining, oh, man, it's just too hot. But, you know, God is good, and uh, he's uh, sovereign over all events. But if you're new here, we're starting our series on transformation, spiritual transformation. And really, this is a goal of our Christian lives, is to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And we talked about that last week, where I showed a picture of a caterpillar who transforms into a butterfly, right? Now, the word transformed is where we get the word metamorphose, or it's metamorpho, and that's what it means to take, to transform from one thing to something that's totally uh, different. But when you think about it, um, you know, the caterpillar, the caterpillar doesn't think about, okay, what must I do in order to be transformed, right? It just is transformed, and that's the same thing with us, where when we're transformed, it's nothing that we do, but it's something that the Holy Spirit does in our lives, Right, But we just have to put ourselves in a place to allow the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. And today, um, we're going to talk about what, one of the biggest obstacles to our spiritual transformation is hurry or busyness. You know, it's something that, you know, we all struggle with. It's something that's a part of our lifestyle. And this is something that one of those sermons where I have to admit that, yes, the Bible speaks the truth about this. But in this case, do as the Bible says and not as I do. You know, because this is one of the things that I struggle with, you know, hurriedness and busyness. And we talked about being conformed into our um, by this world, and I think this is a, one of the ways that we are conformed by the world, and that's in the area of busyness. And it ha- can have um, harmful negative effects on us if we don't watch it. But let me ask you um, these questions and see if any of these pertain to you. Number one, do you treat everything like a race? When you go to the store, do you see, oh, okay, this is the shortest line. You know, I'm going to go to that one. Or maybe the line is longer than the other one, but you notice, well, this checker is faster than this other one. So even though this line is longer, I'm probably going to get out first. But have you ever gone through and then uh, the line you picked, the person next to you got out first? And then you feel like, what? I lost this race. Yeah, I chose poorly, right? Because that person got to the checker faster than me. Or when you're in a line of cars, right, you, guide, you, you maneuver to, if there's a stoplight, you maneuver to the, you know, the lane that has the less cars or definitely does not have a truck. Or if there's a difference between a, a Porsche and a Camry, I'm not saying anything about a Camry, I'm going to get in line behind the Porsche because I know that that Porsche is going to go. And there's nothing more frustrating to me than lining up behind a Porsche and the person drives a Porsche like a Yugo. You know, I said, come on, drive it like a Porsche, you know. Um, But do you feel that everything's a race? Or do you multitask to the point where you forget one of the tasks? Ooh, I do that a lot, right? Well, we're juggling all of these tasks, right? Yet we forget some of the tasks, right? Do you get highly iterable when encountering a delay? And the delay could be anything, 
right? It's like you have your day planned out, and all of a sudden something blocks, something uh, uh, slows you down, and you get irritable. Or parents, it could be your kids, when your kids dawdle, right? You say, come on, let's go, we got to go, go, right? Or maybe somebody is not living or going at the same pace as you, and you get irritable, right? Or do you feel perpetually behind schedule? Do you interrupt or talk over people? And mainly because you think they're too, they're talk too slow or they're getting to the, it takes them forever to get to the point, right? So you want to help them out and you say, okay, boom, you talk over them. Or are you obsessed with checking things off your to-do list, right? Man, if you suffer from three or more of those things, you have this thing what they call hurry sickness, Right? There's actually a term for that now, hurry sickness. And hurry sickness is a term that describes a behavior pattern characterized by continue, continual rushing and anxiousness, an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency. All right? Do you have that? Even when there is no need to have a sense of urgency, you just feel that sense or anxiousness, right? It's really interesting, you know, I was born in the 60s, and in the time, back then, you know, Time Magazine noted that in 1960s, they had a committee, actually in in the Senate, that studied technology and the effect technology would have in our culture. And basically what this study said, that in 20 years, that people would have to cut back radically on how many hours of work they worked, because technology was going to make life um, better, they'd have to start retiring sooner because of the advancement of technology. And you know what the study said? The greatest challenge, they said, would be to figure out what we would do with our excess time. In 1960s, they said technology is going to help us so much that by the time the 80s roll around, our biggest problem is going to be, my goodness, what do we do with our excess time? Well, 60 years later, how many of you are saying, man, my biggest problem now is what to do with my excess time, right? You know, the United States is, one of, is the most overworked country in the industrial, of all of the industrial uh, nations, right? The average female works 8.2 hours a day, 8.2 hours a day. And then you got to come home if you're, you're, you take care of the family. And, and guys, we got to remember this. Okay, that if your wife is working full-time and they have to come home and take care of the family, that's not her responsibility and her responsibility only, right? We can't say that, oh, that's your job. You know, no, we have got to uh, chip in, right? Because the average man works about nine hours a day. We come home and we're tired, right? Well, somebody's got to cook. Somebody's got to do the laundry. Somebody's got to, you know, wash the clothes, Right? And so this is where we need to um, pick in, uh, pitch in. Since 1950, productivity rose 484%, right? And you know what? It should take about 10 hours of work a week to have the same standard of living that they had in 1950. Could you imagine that? The same standard of living that they had in the 1950s. They had that nice white house, uh, picket fence, you know, leave it to beaver, you know, that house and lifestyle. 
They were saying, now it would take 10 hours of our work week to live that lifestyle. But how many of us are doing that? No, it's crazy. We are working at a breakneck speed. And so living the hurried life is one of the greatest obstacles to spiritual transformation. And if you are looking at your lives and you're saying, you know, why am I not becoming more like Jesus? Why am I not um, exhibiting more of the fruit of the Spirit? I would say take a look at this. Because I think this is one of the greatest obstacles to spiritual life. You know, they say that high blood pressure is the silent killer. You know, I've had high blood pressure pretty much all my life, right? Part of, and it had nothing to do with my hurry. It was um, some hereditary. But the reason they call high blood pressure the silent killer is most people don't know that they have it. You're not, you don't feel it. You don't know. And then the only way you know is all of a sudden it gets dangerously high, right? And then you're in trouble. But that's why they call it the silent killer. But hurried life is a silent killer a spiritual life, because we don't know we have it. We don't know we have hurried sickness. Why? Well, this is the way we live our lives. This is at the pace I live my life, right? So we don't even know it, right? But the dangers to our spiritual health are evident. And you might already be seeing it right now if you're not already noticing. And if you are frustrated about you know, your spiritual transformation. If you're frustrated on why I'm not becoming more like Jesus, I think this is a good area to start, to take a look at your life and see um, if, this, if you are suffering from hurried sickness. And the reason why this is one of the greatest obstacles of spiritual formation is living a hurried life drastically inhibits our ability to love. You cannot love when you're busy. You can't, it's hard to love when you're in a hurry, right? You know, best, you know, you parents, you know that, right? You're constantly doing this, this, and this, and your child might need something, and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, and then boom, you don't give them the time you, they need. You don't give your spouse the time you need. I've been guilty uh, of this too, right? It, it, it really hinders your ability to love. You cannot love because when you are busy, I remember at the other, my other church, we have an MRT, which is called Ministerial Relations Team, and each pastor had one, and they were supposed to really um, uh, look over the health of the pastor and the family. But I remember one of the things they did is they interviewed, you know, our wives to see how they were, were doing, and obviously, you know, in one meeting, I, I, I guess in an interview, um, they found out that I wasn't spending enough time with Grace and that Grace was feeling ignored. So they called the MRT meeting and they said, Dave, I want you to bring your schedule. And at first I thought, oh, cool. This is, I could show them how productive I am. You know, right? So this, I had everything down there, right? And so I gave my copy to each one of the person and they just looked at it and they, they had markers, and they just said, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that, you don't need to do that. this meeting, no, that ministry, no, this. And so they started cutting everything out of my schedule. And I'm going, whoa, this is how I got my self-esteem. This is how I thought I was doing well. And they started cutting things out. And then they said, you know what, Dave? We're going to, you don't have to tell your leaders you're not going to be at the meeting. We'll do that. And so what they did is they went to all of my leaders and said, you know, Pastor Dave's not going to be at this core meeting. 
You know, he needs to spend more time at home. He doesn't need to be here. You guys are perfectly capable of living or planning without him, right? And so that's what they did. But they realized that, and some of you might be like that too. The people in your life, do they get your best time or do they get leftover time? You know, if you're busy, if you're in a hurry, I'll bet my house that the people in your life get leftover time. Right? And that's not love. <laughs> I'd love to say that now that I'm a senior pastor, I got it down. <laughs> I mean, just talk to my family. They say it's, and sometimes it's even worse. Because at least, you know, at a larger church, I had a narrow focus. Now it's like uh, you do everything, right, as a small church. And so it's something that I constantly have to be reminded of and it's like i'm doing this sermon and i'm going oh lord why do i have to do this i should have assigned this to somebody else you know but anyway um jesus replied in uh, excuse me in matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. jesus replied love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what are the, two, uh, the great, what's the great commandment? It's to love God and love your neighbor. And he, Jesus says everything, all the law hangs on these two things. This is the most important thing. You know, if you want to know what you're, uh, you're supposed to do in order to follow God, do these two things. However, what did we say about busyness and hurry? If you are busy, if you are constantly in a hurry, how can you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind? How can you love your neighbor? You can't live out this commandment if you are always in a rush or if you are too busy. And then in John thirteen thirty five, we'll say, by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you live a busy life. Is that what he says? If you live a productive life? They said, wow, look at those Christians, man. Look, you know, they're so busy, man. They're so efficient, right? No, he says, you know, by this will, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, right? However, we sometimes as Christians use busyness as a badge of honor, right? It shows that we're doing things for the kingdom, when Jesus says, look, love is by how people know that you're my disciple. And once again, I said it's very difficult to love if you're busy and if you're always in a hurry, right? And when you're in a hurry, like I said, you just don't have time to love, right? Remember the Good Samaritan? You know, Jesus tells a story about there's this one person that was beat up, right? And all of the religious leaders, man, they were in a hurry. They were in a busy. They had ministry to do. So what did they do? They saw this um, uh, person who they thought was dead, and they went to the other side of the road and passed by. Why? Because they had things to do. They were busy, right? But this one Samaritan, who was also busy, came by and what? He cared for this one individual. He understood the importance of love, right? And, and sometimes when we're busy and we see these needs, what, what's our first thing? Is we pray for people, which isn't a bad thing. But have you ever prayed for people because you didn't want to get involved? 
Have you ever prayed for people and said, God, could you bring somebody to help them? You know, God, could you just please be with them? Use anyone but me, right? Because I'm busy. God, I'd like to, but I've got so many things to do, right? And so once again, um, living a hurried life drastically inhibits our ability to love. Living a hurried life can lead to be dangerously tired. I'm going to list some things, and I want you to see if you fall into these categories. Because there's a good tired. You know, there was a time when I worked in a carpet mill during college. I was working 40, 50 hours a week, right? Forklift driving. I was pulling carpet rolls that weighed hundreds of pounds. And, man, I would come home physically beat. But that was a good tired because I'd wake up <laughs> the next morning refreshed. But then there's a dangerous tired. When no matter how much you sleep, you don't feel refreshed. You constantly feel tired. And this is what Ruth Haley Barton says. These are some of the signs you know when you're dangerously tired. Is that you're, you have this irritability or you're hypersensitive. It says, do normal things bother you, such as a child's mistake, another driver cutting you off in traffic, or co-worker's irritating habit? You know, do those things put you over the edge? Do you get irritable at those things? Or maybe you're hoarding energy, meaning that you don't have the, uh, the strength, right, to help others, and you're hoarding it, and you say, you know what, I only have so much energy, I can't use it on you. You know, I'll use it on you, but not you, you know, because I just don't have it. So you just hoard your energy. Or there, or there's slippage in your spiritual practices. Well, okay, Lord, I know I'm supposed to read your word. I know I'm supposed to be studying the word, but you know, Lord, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to uh, reflection on scripture. Or um, even when you do those things, do they become burdensome? You know, when you say, oh, man. And to be honest with you, when I used to go to um, Cairo um, nursing home, you know, once a month, you know, to either show movies or play bingo, right? I would say, oh, man. It was only once a month. And I said, oh, today's the day I got to go. You know, why? Because I was tired. I was tired. But I guarantee you, every time I left Cairo, I was always recharged. Are you disconnected from your identity or calling? Do you go through the motions of doing ministry but feel disconnected from a true sense of who you are and what God's calling you to do? So as you're serving here in church, or if you're serving out there, do you, are you just going through the motions? You don't have a sense that God is using you to do wonderful things for his kingdom. Or not able to attend to human needs. It says, do you feel you don't have time to take care of human needs such as exercising, eating right, sleeping, going to the doctors, or even minor things as getting your car washed, pick up the dry cleaning, and you know, I mean, how many of us do that? I go, I'm going to a funeral. Oh my, oh, my suit's not that dirty. Yeah, there's this little smudge here, and, but that's okay. You know, I'm too tired to take it to the dry cleaner. Or, yes, my car is dirty. I don't have time. Let me just get it home. Okay, good enough. And then when I drive, it'll dry it off. Right? So, I mean, are you, are you tired where you can't even do those things that you need, you, you think you need? 
that you're supposed to do, or restlessness. Have you ever gotten to the point where you're so tired you can't actually go to sleep or rest? Well, you want it. You're just sleeping in bed and you're so tired you can't go to bed. You can't go to bed, right? Or escapist behaviors. You know, when, when do you, <clears throat> basically what she's talking about is do you um, engage, if you're so tired, you engage in compulsive eating, drinking, other substance abuse, spending, uh, spending buying things, binge-watching TV, pornography, surfing, surfing the Internet, right? Do you not, and you're doing all of these things because of this mind-numbing, and you don't have time to do these things that, You're supposed to be doing that bring you life. You know, video games could be one. I know for me, I kind of circled March 12th, May 12th on my calendar. You guys know, right? You know. You know. What's May 12th? Legend of Zelda 2 is coming out. I already pre ordered my game, right? The problem is I started playing Legend of Zelda 1, and I kind of forgot how to play. Next thing I know, eight hours is going by, right? It's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm trying to get to the next level, you know? And so I sit, and I'm reading this. I'm going, man, am I dangerously tired? I might be, right? Because I'm doing that. But anyway, I mean, we might joke about this, but are you dangerously tired, you might be. These are something that we need to pay attention, which brings us, well, what do we do about this? And this brings us to our verse that we're supposed to contemplate this week. And it starts with uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And so the first thing the Apostle Paul says is do not be anxious about what? Anything. He puts everything in that category. And then the question is, why shouldn't we be anxious? Well, if you look in the previous verse, he says, because God is near. God's presence is near to you. God is always with you. Our sovereign God, who is in control of everything, is near to you. There is nothing that catches you off um, him by surprise. And it says, but in everything by prayer, petition, um, basically two words that pretty much mean the same thing, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the interesting thing is, is with thanksgiving, what is he talking about here? Well, this past week, you know, I was... uh, I was just kind of overhearing Grace listening to her phone. And she was listening to a sermon by Charles Stanley, who passed away this past Tuesday. But one of the things he was talking about was Thanksgiving, right? And he said when difficult things happen to him, the thing that he does is he says he has to remind himself that this comes from God. God, this is coming from you to help grow him for his own good. And so he said when things like that happen, when bad things happen to him, what does he always remind himself? God, this is coming from you. You're a sovereign God. You allowed it to happen. You said that good's going to come out of this, right? So I could be thankful. Right? So we have to have an attitude of thanksgiving. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Experiencing the inner peace of God is a mark of spiritual transformation. So if we use that 
as a marker of how you're doing spiritually, how your life is being transformed. How would you rate yourself? I already, read, I already made, rated myself, and the outcome's not good. You know, because we rate ourselves on a lot of different things. But what does it say here? We should, as believers, we should be experiencing the peace of God, right? As believers, people should be able to see no matter what you're going through, you have this peace, right? And it's hard to have peace when you're in a hurry all the time. Jesus was busy, and I love this when commentators say, Jesus was busy, but he was never in a hurry. You know, somebody asked Dallas Willard, who is this wonderful theologian, how, in one word, how would you describe God? And he just looked, thought about it, and he said, relaxed. How many of you would use that word to describe God as relaxed? Jesus was never in a hurry. And you think, he started his ministry at 30, and he only had three years. Man, if I was God, I would say, hey, Jesus, you're starting when you're, well, you're God, you're starting when you're a kid, you know, and so you have all this time to do ministry. No, Jesus started when he was at 30, and he only had three years. You would think that if anyone, he would be like, I've only got three years, I've only got three years. No, he was never, he was busy, but he was never in a hurry. So what are we to do? Well, Dallas Willard says this. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. He didn't just say you've got to eliminate hurry from your life. He said you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Well, you have to take a look at hurry as an enemy that needs to be defeated. And you're going to do whatever it takes to defeat this enemy. And so one thing that you could do is engage in the practice of slowing. Because life today is just so fast. You know, our kids are just involved in so many things. I, re- I was thinking about my life when I was in junior high. You know, and on a, a typical Saturday for us was, you know, we had all, all my friends, we would get like our uh, baseball bats, uh, some baseballs, our gloves, you know, a basketball and a football. And then we'd go to the local high school in the morning. And we would just play, you know, basketball in the morning or football or baseball all day. Then we'd go to Burrito King, you know, and have lunch, come back, talk about how we're going to meet girls and, you know, things like that. And that's all we did. And it was fun. We just relaxed, you know. Or we would walk to the bowling alley. Or we'd walk down Hollywood Boulevard to go miniature golfing or to see a movie, right, or take a bus to do that. There was no rush, you know. But if you take a look at today's kids, right, oh, I got lessons, I got um, clinics, I got basketball practice, I got studying, I got, we, they got to do all of these things. And I was looking at our life, you know, we didn't do any of that. Sure, I would have loved to have maybe go to a baseball clinic and maybe be a ba- better baseball player. But, you know, all of a sudden, then, did that hinder my life? No. I mean, at the time, I could throw somebody out from center field at home. Now I'm lucky if I could hit the third row with a baseball without it hurting, you know? But that's what life was, you know? Even in high school when we learned to drive, you know, we would just go out and we'd drive to the beach, Hermosa, 22, 
right? Because that's where everyone from the South Bay, they hung out there. But we did all these things. We were never in a rush, right? And I look at today's life, it's so much different. And so basically practice slowing. And what is that? And this is what, and when I looked at this, this is what all these people said. Deliberately drive in the slow lane. You know, for Lent, I've given up red meat. I've given up fried foods. You know, I've, and I've given up carbohydrates for Lent. You know, one year I was crazy enough to say I'm going to give up driving in the um, fast lane, that I would drive in the slow lane. Never again did I did that. Of all, I mean, I would rather give up red meat before Easter than to give up driving in the fast lane. That drove me nuts. I remember go, I had to go to a funeral in Fresno, two-lane highway on the five. I was there with a pastor friend. We were behind three trucks going like 50 miles an hour when we should have been going 70. So finally, I couldn't handle it anymore. I just looked at him and I said, Father, forgive me for I'm about to sin. And I passed. I could not handle driving in the slow lane for that period of time, right? But this is what they say. Pick the longest line in the store, grocery store, retail store, without, any, without noticing the cashier. Pick the slowest cashier. You, you know, pick that, right? Um, plans, uh, plan your schedule with margins to eliminate hurry. How many of you plan your schedule where you have just enough time from one event to the other, right? And if anything upsets that schedule, you're all messed up. You know, the greatest thing about GPS, right, is not that it helps me get from point A to B, because I've got a pretty good sense of direction, right? We used to have those Thomas brothers. They were these big books around this big, this thick, with a map of L.A. County, and you would drive it on your lap, you know, and then when you had to go somewhere, you'd pick it up and you would count the streets. Okay, one, two, three, four. I got to make a left in five streets, right? I don't use it. You know what I use the GPS for? To tell me what time I'm going to get there. Why? Because I said, okay, if it's going to take me 40 minutes to get there, ah, I've got an hour. I've got 20 minutes to do something else. I've got 20 minutes to play Zelda, to extend my playing time, Right? But isn't that why we use GPS? To, so we could, what, get there on time, but we could do all of this other stuff. And then was an accident, and what happens? You say, it'll get you there at 3 o'clock. Then I'll say, 3.02, then 3.05. Then as you're driving, 3.15, then all of a sudden panic starts. It's like, wait, you said I was going to get there at 3 o'clock. You lied to me, right? Now I'm in full panic mode. Right, but we rush. We're always in a hurry, right? I, I remember I was playing this past Wednesday. My men's group met at Broccoli for dinner, right? We're supposed to meet at 7 o'clock. But I'm busy planning this sermon on eliminating hurry. All of a sudden, I look at the clock and go, 7 o'clock! You know, and I yelled, and then Kiki was right there. So I just slammed it or rushed. I'm bombing down Valley Boulevard. I was all angry. Come on, light, turn red, you know. Drive faster, i got to get the broccoli. My group's waiting for me. Right? I blew it, and I was planning a sermon on this. Right? Eat your food slowly. Fifteen chews. That's a hard one. It's a hard one. <laughs> you know, eat, Fifteen chews. That, that's crazy. Um, 
Another one, make your smartphone a dumb phone. Make your smartphone a dumb phone. And when I say use your smartphone as a dumb phone, you know what I'm talking about. Just use it for emails, text, and to call someone. Although I know you never call anybody anyway, right? But just use it for that. Don't use it for all of these apps that you have on it, right? Because when you think about it, you know, there was a time when our phone was uh, attached to the wall, right? And then if we weren't home, there's no way you could call us. We didn't, answering machines weren't invented, you know, when I was growing up. And then we had the answering machine. Now my answering machine at church, when there's a message, it sends a message to my email to let me know that when I'm driving on the 405, somebody gave me a call. You know, this is crazy. And even when text, right? Texting is even more nuts because what? What's the, what's the assumption when you get a text? Are you going to answer it right away? Right? And I'm looking at these texts and I'm going, I'm not going to answer this right away. You know, and I don't. So I'm sorry. If some of you text me and I don't answer right away, I kind of determine what's important and what's not. So like when Grace will text me and say, hey, I'm at Macho Cafe. I need your order. Then I say, okay, I'll flout the plate. I mean, she's going to get my text right there. Right? Because that's important. Right, but you know, when somebody tells me, "Hey, this is where I went," you know, it's like, "Okay, you know, thank you for letting me know that." You know, I think that's cool. I'll respond to you, but I'm not responding, you know, right now. So do that, and then engage in the practice of solitude. You know, in Mark one thirty-five, it says, "Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed." You know, at least spend an hour of each day with God. You've got that time. You've got that time, right? Personal retreats, maybe once a month. I used to do this if you go on a personal retreat. You know, we, you know Grace and I went to this uh, married retreat, and we've been, go- well, we went for, you know, at least five, six years in a row. But it was a married retreat where the goal was to spend a l- time alone with God and your spouse. So we'd go there on a Friday night, and it was the same tech. 10 couples where we meet with one another and connect. But on Saturday from, let's say, you know, 8 to 12, we individually, we meditated on Scripture and spent time with God. Then we had lunch. And then after lunch till about 5 o'clock, you know, you, myself, and our grace, we would meditate on another portion of Scripture and spend time in prayer. Then you'd go on a day night. Then Sunday, you would come back, and you would do the same thing for like three hours. You know, I know May and Delaney went on this because we um, suggested, we, he said, hey, you might want to try this. And they loved it too, right? But it was a time away to get away from, uh, get away with God. And so these are the things that we need to do. God created the Sabbath for a reason. We were not meant to live 24-7. Even back then, when life was a lot slower than us, right? Look at the way we live life now. We definitely need to slow down. And parents, you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Singles, married couple, all of us, you know, we are going to have to make some tough decisions on how to slow down. Because what's happening is, number one, it... it, um, hinders 
our spiritual transformation, if we're a parent, if we're living busy and always in a hurry as a family, I guarantee you it's going to um, hinder our children's spiritual transformation. I mean, there are things that I had to do over again as a parent. This is one of the things I would have done. You know, I thought I would have tried to cut down more of the things that we were involved in, you know, as a family. But, you know, for some of you, we're all going to have to make tough decisions because Dallas Willard says that, what, hurry and busyness is an enemy to your spiritual development. And if we want to grow our faith, he says we have to ruthlessly eliminate it from our lives. So what's our weekly challenge? Well, a weekly challenge is, you know, we've been giving you um, these cards. And so the second one is this one is the unhurried life, and we have Philippians 4 to 6 here, right? And this is like your memory verse. And then we have two practices on the back that we'd like you to do um, this week. But we added one thing also to this, and that is what we call the 1202 challenge. Basically, the 1202 challenge is what from Romans 12 to, right? What was the last week's verse? And so at 1202... Every day, we want you to pray for the transformation of people at Mission Valley, to pray for your transformation. Now, most of these are going to be what we call breath prayers or arrow prayers, where they're just really short prayers, meaning when you're driving, I don't want you to close your eyes and start praying, right? Unless you have a Tesla, you know, but I even wouldn't do that if you had a Tesla, okay? But um, wherever you're at, You know, if you're at lunch and you have time, then take time to pray. But if you're not, if you're standing in a long line, because I told you to stand in a long line at 12.02, just shoot up a prayer real quick, real quick. You know, God, would you please, you know, help our our congregation make good decisions about slowing down. So can you do that? 12.02, right? And so... Unfortunately, we did have uh, production problems with these carts, and so we didn't have enough. So if you want them, um, just go, when you go outside, go to the Narthex and pick up this cart, and you could put it on your key ring. Now, we realize some of you may not have it because you were here, weren't here last week. We have some out there also. However, by next week, we should be caught up. So next week, you should be able to have your ring in all of these cards. But it's a good reminder of, you know, this is what we need to do in order to be transformed because that's really the best way for us to live life. Worship team, please come forward, and let's take time spending. Let's take time in prayer. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, this is one of the more difficult sermons for me to preach. Not because it was hard to understand, not because I didn't understand the Bible verses that I used, but it's just application. And Father, I realize that I live the hurried life, that Father, I have been, in conform- I have been conformed by this world. And as I look back at my life, Father, I realize all of the things that I said were true of me. Too busy, too tired, letting spiritual practices slip, becoming irritated at the slightest thing. When I had to be at one place and something blocked that, I'd get irritated. 
and on and on and on. And there might be some of you here who also identify with having hurry sickness. I would imagine that the majority of you do. So I'd just like you to take a few moments right now to ask God. And you know you're busy. You know that you're in a hurry. To ask God what things you could eliminate in your life. What is God asking you to eliminate so you'd be able to love more and better? That you'd be able to love him more? That you'd be able to love your spouse more? That you'd be able to love your children more, your, your brother or your sister or your coworker or extended family members or friends? What is God asking you to take away what activities God asking you to take out of your schedule so you could love better and you could love more. Father, Dallas Willard is right, is that we need to ruthlessly try to eliminate hurry from our lives and to see hurry as the enemy of our spiritual growth. It's not something that should be praised. It's not something that we should be wearing as a badge of honor. But it should be something that we need to eradicate from our lives. And Father, may we learn from your son Jesus, who only had three years on this earth, to start a new covenant with, the, with your people in the world. Yes, he was busy, but he was never in a hurry. And Father, when we are in a hurry or tired, May we turn to your son, Jesus. May we take on his yoke, for you said your yoke is easy. May we live at the pace that your son lived. By taking on the yoke, Father, would you pace our lives, for we don't know how to pace our lives. Father, and Jesus, may you pace our lives. But thank you so much for giving us the instructions to identify that which can cause great harm in our lives. And Father, may your spirit give us a power to eliminate hurry so that we could become transformed into the likeness of your Son. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.